we still have that same kind of family feeling where we are a family. We do look after one another. We do care about one another. The defining values, I think, would be down to earth and up for anything. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a Maine business leader whose life or business was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series helps us to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank and Maine Technology Institute, or MTI. This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it. A story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank, and may lose value. Hello, Maine Biz listeners. This is Andrea Tetzlaff with the Maine Biz podcast team. Today, I'll be talking with Andy Shepard, general manager of Saddleback Mountain. Saddleback was a popular ski resort in Maine throughout the 2000s. It actually started in 1960, and it was vital to the economy of the Rangeley, Maine area. When the resort closed in 2015, it was devastating both to skiers who loved the glade-friendly mountain and to the region that relied on the resort for winter tourism. After years of will they, won't they, is it going to open, is it not going to open, the mountain secured investment and reopened with Andy Shepard at the helm. Andy's going to talk with us today about the challenges of reopening a resort that had been closed for five years, the major investments that had to be made, and what it meant to the Rangeley region to have their mountain back in operation. Welcome, Andy. Thanks for joining us today. Can you give us a little bit of history about yourself? How far back do you want to go? I, I was born on a cold and rainy day in Anchorage, Alaska, 1957, before it was a state. Were you really born in Alaska? I was. Wow. Well, no wonder you love winter sports so much. Yeah, although I, I was a basketball player and swimmer for most of my life. I'd never been on skis until I met Betsy, but I was a part of the yellow bean team for 16 years back in the eighties and nineties. I started a company called Maine winter sports center that was focused on trying to create a new economic and community development model for rural communities in Maine. And that was 2000 that I left yellow bean and we built some of the world's top Nordic venues up in Arista County. We, we bought filled Alpine ski areas, turned them around. We had youth development programs that got 16 kids onto the Olympic team. And Sophia Laukley from Yarmouth, who's on the Olympic team this year, is probably the last person from that Mainwater Sports Center era that, that was added to that list of 16. We're very proud of that. That's exciting. But we also had a lot of youth development programs and community development programs that we worked on. So really proud of the work that we did. So I retired from uh, Maine Winter Sports Center and what had become at that point Outdoor Sport Institute in July of 2019 and took on the role of CEO and GM for Saddleback at that point. And we spent the next year and a half working through to try and complete the purchase of the mountain. We did that in January, the end of January in 2020. And it's been a, just a meteoric journey into the rediscovery of the Saddleback family and Saddleback Mountain ever since. So 
you also had involvement with a few of the mountains around the state of Maine before your involvement with Saddleback. Is that right? Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, we, part of the model was buying failed Alpine ski areas and turning them around. The reason for that is that those, those mountains, Black Mountain and Rumford, Big Rock and Aroostook County up in Mars Hill, Quaggy Joe, those were really critical parts of the community economic development infrastructure, but also critical parts of the community development infrastructure. And so whenever a mountain was in trouble in Maine, I would usually get a call either from the press or from a developer or from the people who own the mountain. And I got a couple of calls from Saddleback over the years, always loved the mountain, thought it was uh, a unique culture, unique community, and was always intrigued, but the stars just never aligned to, to take on the mountain. So let's talk a little bit about that history of Saddleback. So the mountain started in the 60s, went through a couple of different ownerships throughout the years until it landed with the Barry family in 2003. And then the Barry family owned it from 2003 till about 2015. Is that correct? Well, actually, they owned it until they sold it to Arc Terrace in January of 2020. But yes, so the mountain started in 1960, and there was actually an explosion of ski areas uh, starting around that time in Maine. And it did go through a number of owners through the Berry family, and Berry family sold it to Arc Terrace in uh, January 31st of 2020. You know, it was a it was a troubled history. The it was always an awesome mountain. The quality of skiing, the the forest, the tier, it's kind of an ethereal experience to be here. But the, the trails that have been cut into the mountain, the glades, those kinds of things have been an iconic part of the New England ski scene for generations now. But, you know, they're just one thing after another, either an oil embargo at the wrong time or, you know, some one of the owners may have gotten overextended at the wrong time, those kinds of things. It did go through. A series of owners. It had a long trajectory of financial underperformance and the Berry family, when they came in, invested a lot of money and a lot of their heart and soul into trying to turn the mountain around and did really great work. <clears throat> they just weren't able to finish the job. Saddleback, similar to what you were talking about with Black Mountain and the ski area up in Mars Hill, Saddleback was vital to the Rangeley community. That's right. Yeah. It, the largest employer in the region, Rangeley had always been, well, you know, for the last 140 years, been an iconic summer destination. It has some of the best fly fishing in the world, some of the most important fishing waterways in North America, beautiful mountains, all sorts of things to do here in the summertime. They started Saddleback in 1960 to try and round out the the economic um, vitality of the region to give people something to do in the wintertime. And that's the role that the mountain played for a long time. When the mountain closed in 2015, there was an immediate exodus of a lot of the seasonal workers. And without employment opportunities in the winter, they, they didn't have an opportunity to make money year round. So they left. When they left, they took with them the opportunity for uh, a lot of the businesses in town to keep their businesses going full time. So, you know, even in the summertime when Rangeley is a robust resort community, it's really, it's been hard to find a place to eat on a Monday or Tuesday night. Plenty of hungry people, just not enough workers to, to 
fill the, the ships. That was the biggest challenge that the community faced when the mountain closed down. So you um, mentioned that a couple of times, the mountain closed in 2015. What ultimately was the reason for the mountain closing its doors? Well, the skiing part has always been exceptional. You know, when you get up the mountain, the, the coming down part has always been iconic, beautiful, spectacular, uh, all those words that you could throw out there. And in a lot of cases, it's just marketing hype, but I think the people who've skied Saddleback know what I mean. It is special. It's uh, the Saddleback family, the sense of community that existed at Saddleback has been an inspiration for generations of, of people. When I bought Black Mountain, the first thing I did was try to create the same kind of, of family community spirit that existed at Saddleback. And it already existed to a large degree at, at, at Black Mountain and Rumford, but you know, we, we kind of leaned in on that. The challenge at Saddleback was getting up the hill. You know, the lifts were old. It was a double lift. It was slow. You know, it would take 11 minutes to get from the bottom of the lift to the top. But because it was a double lift and slow, it typically would have really long lines. So it actually could take more like an hour to get up the mountain on a busy day. That wasn't fun. The lodge was, was under capacity and had not been designed particularly well to handle crowds. Those were experiences that people had at the mountain that cut down on their enjoyment and as a result, cut down on the traffic. You have mentioned a couple of times sort of the Rangeley family or the Saddleback family. What is, for people who might not be familiar with the Saddleback area or might not have skied there before, what, what does that term, the Saddleback family, mean? You know, it's, it's old school. If you remember this, this Barker Lodge, Sunday River in the old days, my wife grew up skiing there. You know, I think she started skiing when she was two years old or something. And, and it was a kind of place where the... The kids, the, the mom and the dad could go off and do their skiing. And, you know, Betsy at two years old was left to ski the mountain by herself. And everyone <laughs> felt comfortable with that because everyone was looking out for one another. Now, you know, I'm not encouraging that at Saddleback, but <laughs> we still have that same kind of family feeling where we are a family. We do look after one another. We do care about one another. The defining values, I think, would be down to earth and up for anything. Yeah. And, you know. People who just love being outdoors year round in all kinds of conditions with family and friends, and they celebrate that. And nobody cares what kind of car you arrive at the mountain in, or you know how expensive your skis are, or where your last vacation was. It's it's all about you know did you get up to the Casablanca Glades? Do you do tightline today? Were you on Mule Skinner? You know, were you on Silver Dot? Whatever it was. The adventure that you're having that day is what everyone wants to talk about. Nice. That's special. And when, when we took over the mountain, that was the thing that was most important to me to make sure that not only we reestablished that, but that everyone knew that I understood what that was. Cause I was a guy from away, right? You know, I was, I was not a part of the Rangeley or Saddleback community up to that point. And I knew that that was going to be important to people. And I, I think we've done a really good job of reinforcing to people that we do get that. We do care about that. We do value that. And that is as important to us as any of the other endeavors that we're diving into. Between 2015, when the mountain closed and 2020, there were various reports that the mountain was going to open or things were coming through or things were happening, but none of them ultimately 
kind of came to fruition. Do you have any details on any of those deals that were reported and why they ultimately didn't work out? The Rangeley family was put through hell, you know, for five years, the all, you know, all sorts of charlatans would show up in town and say they were going to buy the mountain and they'd call a town meeting and everyone would get together at the gym and they'd talk through what they were going to do. And these were not serious people. They, they weren't people that had the means to be able to buy the mountain. And in most cases, the intention, to buy. the Australian group Magella came along and they were the ones who captured the, the majority of the, the interest. Um, Tom Faderly, who's an attorney in Portland, he and I had become good friends as we were going through this process. The Berry family actually, before the mountain closed down, reached out to me to see if Maine Winter Sports Center was willing to, to buy Saddleback. And I was in the midst of my own existential crisis at the time. Two days before that, I'd gotten a call from our you know, primary funding source at Maine Winter Sports Center that they were ending our funding after 15 years. And I had eight weeks to raise a million dollars to keep the wheels on that bus. But at the same time, you know, this was, I, I sense an important time in Saddleback's history. And I, I did want to see if there was an opportunity to, to do something here. So my son and I came up and we spent a couple of days looking at the books to see if we could make this viable. We came to the conclusion that we thought it could be profitable, but it was going to take an awful lot of capital. And that was capital that I wasn't going to have available to any uh, access to anymore. So Tom and I started looking for who we thought the right buyer was going to be. It was going to have to be someone that had access to a lot of capital and someone for whom the risk associated with that large amount of capital would not be a deal breaker. So a typical investor was generally not going to be interested in Saddleback and, you know, Magella entered the scene. They had been in the Portland area for a while, the, at least the summer before that, gotten all sorts of people excited about all sorts of development projects in downtown Portland, leveraged all sorts of support from attorneys and from architects to do drawings about this and that, plan about this and that. And then they left and they didn't pay anybody. And that was not a good sign. And the next time they appeared was at the Saddleback Lodge telling the Berry family that they were going to be buying Saddleback. And it, it left Tom and me with a really sour taste in our mouths that sure. we didn't think that this was actually going to happen, but it, you know, they took the Rangeley and the Saddleback families for a ride for a long time. And even when the Magella family was, was shown to be criminals that they were using this is an EB-5 play to try and steal a lot of money from, from EB-5 participants. There was still a lot of people in town that were leaning in to Magella's being the solution, even when our terrorists presented themselves as, as the actual solution. And just so much misinformation, so many people who are vested in their own self-interest that kind of took this for a much longer ride than it should have been. And our terraces, you know, they had at that point a 10 year track record of remarkable investments in troubled communities across the country. And the, the more time we spent with Jonathan Tower, who was the principal at, at Dark Terrace, the more we realized that this was the right guy. And, you know, we, we kind of found our terrace at the same time the state of Maine did and a bunch of other people. So we, we don't lay claim to having 
brought them to the table. But, you know, once we realized that it was Arcteris and that they were the real deal, we leaned into working with them. We worked with them for must've been three years before we finally were able to consummate the deal and take over the mountain. So it sounds like it was really kind of their proven history of working with sort of these areas that relied on a source like Saddleback for the community and economic development in the area surrounding it that really made them a, a good fit for the Saddleback purchase. Yeah, what Arcteris does and what impacts impact funds do is they invest in communities that, that uh, have a financial challenge, we'll say. Impact funds are people who want to invest in the market, but they want to invest in those organizations that are going to take their investment and create impact in communities, impact funds. So what our terrorist was looking to do was reestablish businesses that had been the primary employer in that community. And that was the role that Saddleback played. That's why they came to the table and that's why they've leaned in so hard for really the last four years to try and make all the things happen that are happening here happen. None of this would have been possible without the model of, of an impact fund, but probably more specifically without Jonathan Tower at the, the head of the, the organization. When he stepped into Rangeley in this conversation, what I would have expected would have been that people would have embraced this as an opportunity to make something real happen. They had been taken for so many rides that instead everything that was done was met with suspicion and cynicism. And there was a lot of nonsense thrown at Jonathan personally, thrown at Arteris as a company that just was not real that he and we had to deal with for about three years. And I think we've worked through that effectively by just demonstrating that we're going to do what we said we were going to do. And, and that is the fastest way to gain trust in, in Western Maine. I've spent a lot of time working here with Black Mountain in this area. And I know, you know, that trust is hard earned and easily lost. And that's, that has not been lost on any of us. And we've tried to make sure that we've maintained that trust all along. So I'm hearing you say you felt comfortable with the Arcteris model and that impact fund model pretty early on. Were there any reservations on your end? Did you have any concerns bringing them in? So the only reservation you would have when you bring in an investor like this is, are they in it for the long haul? You know, what is their motivation? And are these people that we can trust to be there when things get tough? And the process of buying Saddleback was so tough that having made it through that, all of us have pretty much been baptized in the cauldron of fire. You know, we all felt pretty comfortable that we were all in this for the long haul at that point. So the, the purchase ultimately went through when? January 31st, 2020. And what were some of the immediate changes, investments, updates that needed to be made before you could actually open for a ski season? There's so many things that had to be done. And I would just give the advice to anybody looking to buy a mountain that needs a lot of work done to not start January 31st. <laughs> it's a little late in the season. And we, we certainly tried to close the deal earlier than that. We just weren't able to, but uh, we dove in with everything we owned. Um, so when we took over the mountain, we tried to identify those things that we'd need to invest in, in order to change that financial trajectory. And a new fleet of lifts was an important part of the consideration. A new lift is now a, a quad 
It's a high-speed detachable quad, so it's a four-minute ride. The uphill capacity is 2,400 skiers per hour. The old one was around 600 skiers per hour. So even on our busiest days, and we, you know, we have a lot of busy days now, even on, on our busiest day, the longest line you're going to see is four or five minutes long. That's uh, great. That was job number one. That was a game changer. We got about a month into ownership and we were in the process of redesigning the lodge to accommodate more people and COVID hit. And so we took a step back and I asked the architects to dive in to try and figure out what, what we needed to do in order to make the Saddleback Lodge one of the safest, if not the safest ski lodges in the country. And we created this new HVAC system that, that has created air quality in our lodge. It's roughly equivalent to outside air. You know, the air is turning over so often that, that the quality of air is exceptionally high in our lodge. We also invested a lot of money in our bathrooms to make sure that they weren't safety pinch points. We did a number of other investments throughout the lodge to try and increase capacity and make sure that it continued to follow along this track of being the safest. We invested a little over a million dollars in new snowmaking system, you know, all sorts of other things around the mountain to try and make it work the first year. And it, it did. We had a, a great opening, even though it was COVID, we, we asked the Saddleback family to, to be a family, to care for one another. And they did. We got through last year really well. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Andy's going to talk to us a little bit about what it was like to reopen that mountain and, and bring the Saddleback family back to Saddleback. We'll be right back. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before, which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. This is a community that does not get down easily. And when the mountain shut down five years ago, now six years ago, they took a pretty significant hit. The real estate values took, took a severe hit. We are back with Andy Shepard of Saddleback Mountain. And as we were talking about before the break, Andy, so December 15th, 2020, the mountain reopened. What was that day like for you all? It was incredibly powerful. I mean, I would actually go earlier than that to the, to the first day that it really dawned on people in the Rangeley community that this was happening and the emotions were just incredibly powerful. When we, the helicopters arrived in July to fly in the towers for the new lift and, you know, the, the parking lot started filling up and people were just people coming stopped. to watch. Yeah. It was a big party. And I think, you know, a lot of people who had been cynical about this, all of that cynicism evaporated on that day. And between then and us opening on the 15th, there was just this buildup of emotion for the Saddleback diaspora from around the world. I mean, we had people come from all over the place to be a part of our opening and it was incredible. There were tears, there were, you know, people high-fiving. It was brutally cold. It was about five degrees with a 20 mile an hour. Of course wind. it was. But, yeah. yeah, but still it, it, nobody cared. There were just big smiles. The fire was in the fireplace and it was awesome. That's wonderful. So 
you know, you reopened, you have this wonderful celebration within the community and the mountain reopens, but it has been shut down for five years. Were there things that you had to get through to just address some of the the consequences of having been shut down for five years? Yeah. So to our advantage, Jimmy Quimby, who is kind of the heart and soul of, of Saddleback, you know, his grandfather and father helped put up the first lift. His dad worked at the mountain for a long time. Jimmy is you know, this mountain has been everything to him his entire life. He was a mountain manager and he, he stayed on when the mountain closed, was employed by the Barry family to make sure that the asset was maintained. And you could not have asked for a better person to have been focused on that. And he brought in Bruce Lancaster to help with that the last couple of years. And you could not have found a you know better right-hand man for Jimmy than Bruce. They, they did everything they could to make sure that the asset was ready when a buyer came along. But that said, you know, there had been deferred maintenance prior to the closing, certainly deferred maintenance during the closing. And a lot of that went into the $18 million he invested in that first year. And, you know, there are still going to be things that we're going to have to be working on here. And we continue to work on things all the time, but we're doing things in a way that builds a solid foundation for a very long and successful future here at the mountain. This past summer, we got three new lifts. We invested another $2 million in snowmaking. We've got two environmentally friendly eco-diesel groomers. We started construction on our Mid-Mountain Lodge, which will be an iconic part of the dining scene for, for the state of Maine when we're finished with that this coming fall. You know, a lot of investments in, in the skiing experience and being able to get people up the hill more quickly. And... We feel like all of those have, have paid dividends and I'm very proud of that. And is there anything that Arcteris has specifically brought to the mountain or to the region that didn't exist before? Well, so we, we have put together $32 million in investments in the last two years. That's an awful lot of money to be brought to the table. And Jonathan is also brought in a team of people to help make sure that that we've we've got the business part of this thought through in a really deep way with people with a lot of experience in the industry that is i think probably those two things are the two biggest things that they've done but jonathan continues to lean in in everything that is saddleback to try and make sure we have everything we need to succeed and that kind of support is critical when we're trying to do what we're trying to do. I feel like having the mountain open must have just brought an energy to the Rangeley community that had been lacking for the past five years. Is that accurate? I wouldn't say an energy. You know, Rangeley is this remarkable, resilient, self-sufficient, proud community, not unlike a lot of towns in Maine. but unique Maine to, to other states, you know, this is a community that, that does not get down easily. And when the mountain shut down five years ago, now six years ago, they took a pretty significant hit. The real estate values took, took a severe hit. The real estate taxes, the retail sales all took big hits. And the mountain opening up again, combined with COVID and people wanting to leave urban environments for rural environments and not just rural environments, but beautiful rural environments sure. really put Rangeley on the scene. 
And so our, our real estate valuations have, we'll say, recovered fully at this point. And the community, they have a lot to be proud of. They have accomplished an awful lot under very difficult circumstances. What Saddleback hopes to do is give them some additional resources to be able to, to do so with more effect from this point on. So by being owned by an impact fund, my mission is not just to get the mountain open again, it's to do so in a way that helps to solve some of the challenges that the community is facing access to health and wellness care, access to child care, employee housing, affordable housing. Those kinds of challenges are ones that, that we've dived into for the last two years. We feel like we're making good progress on working really closely with the community to try and come up with long-term solutions to those problems. I guess I'm just curious. There are, there are a lot of ski areas in Maine. And so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on why it was so important to keep Saddleback alive? Two reasons. One is the role that this mountain plays in the economy of Western. You have Sugarloaf. Sugarloaf's great. What we do is different. And anyone who's skied at Saddleback and then goes to Sugarloaf will tell you that we are completely different in our culture, in our approach to, you know, skiing. Everything about what we do is different. Having two areas this big in such close proximity in a rural remote community adds more critical mass to reasons for people to come to this area. So we feel like we're adding to the mix, not only for the Rangeley region, but this whole part of Western Maine. There's also the impact it has on the Rangeley community to have this open again, to be able to provide jobs for people year round so that the seasonal workers have a place you know, th that they can settle in and call home. Um, we're building employee housing on the mountain this summer. It'll have 114 beds and probably 80% of those employees will be headed down to the town in the summertime to work in Sarge's or Furbish or Parkside and Maine or the Alpine shop or whatever. Right. And, and that additional human capital, the additional workforce is going to be critical to those businesses ability to grow or in some cases to start new businesses. And that's an important role that we play, but probably the most profound one for me has been sitting in this office for the last, you know, year plus and having people who feel it important to come in and tell me how much it means to them, how much it means to their family that this mountain is open again. And I tell this story, I get emotional all the time, so bear with me. But I was in my office last spring towards the end of the winter and an older gentleman came in probably about my age and was starting to tell me, thank you for opening the mountain. It meant a lot to him and he teared up and he had to leave. And, you know, a couple of minutes later, a young woman came in about my daughter's age and was saying that was my dad. And he just wanted to say that, you know, this was a very special place to our family. We lost my mom just before the mountain closed and we haven't been skiing since. And the fact that, you know, we could come back and ski now just means everything to my dad and to me. It's a way of being with my mom again. It's a wonderful story to share and kind of, I mean, that just underlines the impact that it's more than just a mountain. It does. And that was not 
a unique story. I mean, there are a lot of people who feel the need to come up to me and, and thank me. And I will say that I get way too much credit for the work that's being done here. We have an absolutely amazing team of people who are here because they want to be a part of this. They want to be a part of bringing Saddleback back and they want to do something important in their lives and they feel like this is the thing to do. So we have a great team here, but we also have a great family of skiers that love this mountain as a part of their family. And that's why getting Saddleback open again, giving them their home back has been so important to so many people and has meant so much to so many people. We are going to take one last break. And when we come back, we will talk with Andy about the, the long-term plans for the community at large and, and the lessons that he's learned as him and the Saddleback team have gone through this process of restarting the mountain. We'll be right back. Maine Biz is Maine's business news source in print, online, and in person. We inform, engage, and connect you to the business community throughout Maine. Subscribe to Maine Biz products today at mainbiz.biz. You're going to find a real focus on making sure people know that Rangeley is one of the more remarkable opportunities for young families just getting started. That if you want to start your life someplace, this is the place to do it. So we are back with Andy Shepard from Saddleback Mountain talking about what the reopening of Saddleback meant to the Rangeley community and lessons that he learned going through the process of restarting a mountain that had been closed for five years. So Andy, on that topic of the Rangeley community as a whole, what are the long-term plans for the community and how much involvement do you have with Total involvement. You know, my, my job, as I said, is not only getting settled back up and running again, but uh, coordinating with the community to figure out how we can help solve some of the challenges that they face as a result of the mountain being open again. So we have three task forces that are going on. We've got one task force focused on creating a staffing entity so that the seasonal workers that come work the staffing agency will be responsible for helping network to make sure that these seasonal workers have year-round employment. We're going to help make sure that they're prepared to write better resumes and, and be more effective in interviews, those kinds of things. So career development will be part of the picture as well. Mm-hmm. We're working with the community on uh, increasing access to childcare, and we're also working with the community to increase access to health and wellness care. And those are just some of the task forces. We also are, are thinking of food insecurity and what role we can play. We have a commercial kitchen up at the mountain in our cafe that we have two kitchens here. One of them runs in the morning, one of them runs in the evening. And as a result, there's an opportunity for us to use that commercial kitchen to help solve some of the problems around with food insecurity. And you know, what other challenges are there out there that we can help with? So. That's a central part of my job and one of the things that has made this so rewarding to me. And so specifically for the Mount, how do you see it in the next 10, 15, 20 years? What we have here is pretty special. So the key will be figuring out how to, how to add to what we have without subtracting the things that make it. I don't think you'll ever see a McDonald's or a Walmart in, in Rangeley. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but you know they're never going to replace the the you know classic provisions or uh, sarges or 
or the tap house restaurants that we have here. You know, it's not going to replace the Alpine shop. That is the culture of our community. And that's what's important to us. But I think what we will see, hopefully, is greater access to health and wellness care so that the community, you know, can maintain a safe community, a healthy community. I think you're going to see more opportunities for children, youth development with child care and, and youth programs. And you're going to find a real focus on making sure people know that Rangeley is one of the more remarkable opportunities for young families just getting started. That if you want to start your life someplace, this is the place to do it. And I think all those things will benefit town in the long run. And I'm curious, ultimately, at the end of the day, Saddleback is a business. And so as a leader who has helped restart this business, what have you learned about restarting a business that really has so much of the community kind of woven into the DNA of it? I would say that, that those learnings started about 40 years ago and I've never stopped learning. When I left L.L. Bean, it was you know, to try and make a difference in Maine. And that was a, a very simple mission statement and allowed me to, to do a lot of different things with, but what I've focused on the last 20 years is going into rural communities that are economically challenged and trying to find new ways of leveraging business in some cases, community development programs and other to, to make a difference. And that's what makes Saddleback so interesting and rewarding to me is it allows me to put the 20 years of for-profit experience together with the last 20 years of nonprofit experience all into one job and see what we can do here. I'm really excited about the progress we're making, really excited about the future. You know, we just got a foot and a half of snow dumped on us the other day. The temperatures are getting warmer and the crowds are starting to come back and it's awesome. And there's not a more fun place to be than Saddleback during ski season. So with that being said, are there any exciting upgrades or new things that are coming to Saddleback that we need to keep, be keeping our eyes out for? So the Mid-Mountain Lodge is going to be done next, next fall. And I can't wait to get people up there. You'll have you know, spectacular views. It'll be almost entirely glass walls. We partner with Maine Audubon to make sure that, that you know, we're employing safe glass techniques, strategies to, to reduce or eliminate bird strikes. The roof is going to be an undulating sod roof with native lowbush blueberries and native grasses. So you won't see it from the Appalachian trail up above and it'll provide habitat for, for the birds. That's going to be spectacular. And I can't wait for that. This summer, we're going to start lift, lift serve mountain biking on trails that we built last summer. And that's going to be really exciting. And all sorts of other stuff. We've got another round of, of snowmaking that we're building, we're, we're putting in, we're, we're building a new employee housing this summer and making plans for a new family center down at the bottom of our South Branch learning area for the summer of 2023. This has been a production of MainBiz. Find out more about this podcast and other MainBiz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank and Maine Technology Institute, or MTI. The Maine Biz Podcast team includes Renee Cordes, Will Hall, Allison Mason, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedanka. Logo and marketing design by Matt Selva. Subscribe to the Maine Biz Podcast at mainebiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Copyright 2022.